tonight, we're going to be talking about mission. Are you on mission? And I want to have you go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Hebrews 12. We're going to jump in there really quickly, and, um, and then we're going to move on to our next passage. So go ahead and turn to Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 is where we're going to jump into right now. <clears throat> Y'all ready? <laughs> Come on. All right, here we go. Hebrews 12, 1 through 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. So there's this race, right? We're all supposed to run this race, and there's a race for each one of us. And how does it say that we have to run this race? We run this race by fixing our eyes on Christ, right? All right, so next, next passage, we're going to turn over to um, 1 Samuel chapter 18. 1 Samuel chapter 18, that's in the Old Testament. It will be on the screen, so you don't have to look it up, but yeah. All right, here we go. 1 Samuel 18, verse 5. I want to give you a quick background on this. Um, David had kind of recently um, fought Goliath. And they were um, the people that saw this happen were amazed. And they said, you've got to join the army. And so David joined the army of Israel. And now at this time, Saul is the very, very, very first king ever, Okay. So he's the king, Saul's the king, and he sees that David is an amazing warrior, right? Um, there's all these tales of, of him and his battles and his, his military exploits. And, and Saul takes notice and he says, hey, I'm going to be sending you here and I'm going to be sending you here. Okay, so that's where we kind of pick up in this story. Saul, the king of Israel, is taking notice of David. Verse 5, whatever mission Saul sent him on. David was so successful that Saul gave him a high rank in the army. This pleased all the troops and Saul's officers as well. When the men were returning home after David had killed the Philistine, the, woman, the women came out from all the towns of Israel to meet King Saul with singing and dancing, with joyful songs and with timbrels and lyres. I think those are instruments. As they danced, they sang, Saul has slain him, slain his thousands, and David his tens of thousands. Saul was very angry. This refrain displeased him greatly. They have credited David with tens of thousands, he thought, but me with only thousands. What more can he get but the kingdom? So he feared that he was coming after his throne. And from that time on, Saul kept a close eye on David. So it's interesting. We see um, in the Hebrews verse, the, he, the Hebrews passage is talking about this race, and we all have a race, and, uh, and it says that the way that we run this race is we fix our eyes on Christ. 
But then we look at this passage here where we see Saul in his jealousy and he's, he's hearing this song and the song is causing him to compare himself to David and he's getting kind of consumed by this comparison. And where do his eyes go in verse 9? It says, and from that time on, Saul kept a close eye on David, not on Christ. So when I was at NBC, uh, my undergrad, and I was, uh, this is Bible college, right? So I go there, and uh, I just had left the East Coast. I came out here, and I'm like answering God's call on my life, and I'm going to Bible college. And there's all these other guys there who are, who are um, training to become pastors, Right, we're all learning how to interpret the Bible. We're all learning how um, <clears throat> what you know proper homiletics is and hermeneutics and all these big crazy dumb words and um, and all these things and and uh, you know they put us in these preaching classes and in these preaching classes there's like twelve of us and each one of us had to preach a certain number of sermons and and I'm sitting there and I'm listening to these guys preach and I'm like man some of these guys are awesome and I'm like not awesome I'm like kind of scared and nervous, and I'm, and I'm like getting into that right comparison trap, and I'm thinking like, man, these guys are really good. And then, and it j so that just, you know, wasn't enough. I mean, I really, I really dove into this whole, you know, process of learning how to preach and all these things, and I was like, you know, God, if you're equipping me for the future, I'm going to be all in, and I'm doing this. And, uh, but seeing these guys, I couldn't help but ask myself, like, am I really cut out for this? Am I really cut out for this? And then, and then I see some of my friends who started at the same time I did. They were starting to get opportunities to go preach at churches, like in front of real people. You know, and it was like, whoa, that's, that's really cool. I wonder, I wonder like, what, what did that guy have that I didn't? Or like, you know, what was going on there? And so I really struggled with comparison there. And I, I kind of, I, I thought, man, God, maybe, maybe I'm not cut out for this. I'm, I'm already like older than everybody here. I came to college. My undergrad, I started when I was 28, okay? So I was like 10 years older than most of the people in my class. And these guys are awesome. And, and I'm thinking like, maybe I'm just too late to this. Maybe I'm too late to this. I don't know. But my comparison's causing me to doubt. My comparison is causing me to doubt. And then some of these guys got offers to go take over a church, right? So they went in to go be, you know, pastors at these churches. And, man, that's when it was, like, really hard because I'm like, gosh, I wish I was there. Maybe maybe you've been there, right? Maybe, um, maybe somebody else got chosen for a position, a, a, a promotion, that you thought you deserved. Maybe, um, I don't know, maybe you're at school and, and um, the, uh, you know, internships are, are going to other people, but they're not going to you and, and you're pretty frustrated. Uh, maybe it's a relationship that, um, you know, you're, you're seeing other couples and it seems like they're moving along and they're in these really good relationships and maybe yours is kind of struggling. I don't know what it is for you. But I know that it's so easy and is, I think, honestly, as part of our human nature to get caught up in this comparison trap, right? And, and that's why I think we need to hear this message like a couple or three times a year, or maybe more, right? Because we get caught up in this. So I started questioning, God, are these doors that are closed? Are, is that because you're trying to tell me something? 
You're opening doors for other people, but you're not opening them for me. Are you trying to tell me something? And I started really doubting what my mission was. Really doubting what my mission was. And right at that time, right at that time, one of my profs, he was a mentor. Um, he was the head of the uh, counseling department at our school. He comes up to me and he says, hey, you know, um, he had been a mentor me, for me for a long time. And he said, you know, you really have the personality of a counselor. Maybe you should consider making that your major instead of uh, pastoral ministries. And I was like, man, God, are you trying to use this guy who's like a mentor to me to tell me to change my what I thought was my mission? And this was, man, I chewed on this for a, like a month and a half. I, I, I fasted. I prayed. I was like, God, what are you trying to say? And as I dove in, as I dove in, what I kept hearing from the Father was stay on mission. Stay on mission. And I remembered I remember when I was 10 years old and I heard his voice in my life and he said, I want you to rightly divide the word of truth for a broken culture. I remembered that. He didn't say, I want you to be a counselor. Nothing wrong with counselors. I love counselors. My wife is one. But he said, I want you to rightly divide my, my word for a broken culture. And um, I remember it all throughout middle school and high school as I was like running away from this because I thought it was crazy. I remembered him saying, why are you here? Why are you not on mission? Why are you not pursuing the mission that I gave you? I remembered all those. It wasn't, he never wavered for like 20 years that I ran away and I wavered and I questioned. He never wavered on what he was calling me to do, that mission. He kept reminding me of it. And after I prayed and I fasted for a month and then a month and a half, I finally was like, okay, so stay on mission. And I called up my prof and I was really afraid. I thought he was going to be super disappointed and, and I thought he was going to be really upset. And I sat him down and I said, man, I, look, I love you. I, you know, you're one of my favorite mentors. You really have spoken so much truth and you've encouraged me so many ways. But what I keep hearing Abba say to me is stay on mission. And I said, so actually I'm thankful that you asked me to pray over this because today as I sit here before you, I'm like 10 times more convicted and resolved that God has called me to this thing and I'm going to stay on mission and I'm going to keep pressing forward. I don't care what's going on around me. I'm going to keep pressing forward, keep my eyes focused on Christ and he looked at me and he said, good. He said, I have a philosophy. If you can be talked out of your calling, you should be. I'm going to say that again. He said, if you can be talked out of your calling, your mission, your purpose, you should be. If you're on the battlefield and you have a doubt in your mind that that's where you're supposed to be, you need to get off that battlefield, right? You need to leave. That is not where you need to be. And what he's saying is, is that when God calls us, we got to be sold out. When you're running that race, Paul's saying, you got to have your eyes fixed on Christ completely, 100%. Otherwise, we're not going to be all in. 
so many pastors we've heard have, have fallen morally. So many pastors have, have and, and this is true, this is, I know pastors are like in the, in, in, um, the news a lot, but this is every single industry, every management position, every track that you could possibly go after. There have been people that have fallen morally every single place. So what's your mission? What's your mission? Maybe right now in life, you either know it or you don't, right? That's kind of one of two things. You either know it or you don't. Now, I'm not talking about necessarily your vocation, okay? There's two different things, and, and I think God can call us into a vocation. Your vocation is how you make your money, right? But what's your mission? What's your mission? Let's say you know it. Great. What are you doing right now to equip yourself for that mission, to be moving forward, to be taking action, to be constantly in, in that process of being equipped. You see, I always knew while I was in my undergrad, even though all these difficult things were happening, I was like, at least I'm showing up every single week. At least I keep writing the papers. At least I keep plugging away because eventually, if God has called me to this thing, I'm going to be, he's going to use me in that area, right? And so I could just, I could keep that hope and keep plugging away. What are you doing to be constantly equipping yourself? Maybe, um, maybe you say, well, I'm in a season of waiting. Great. How many know there's a difference between singleness and singleness on purpose? Right? Yeah? There's a difference, right? One is, hey, I'm open to date. If somebody comes along, I'll date them. The other one is, I want to be single for this period of my life. That applies even to as we're looking and asking what God's call is on our lives. You might be laying around and you say, well, I'm just waiting. You might just be not moving, not reading, not researching, not trying, not praying. Maybe you're just waiting around, but that's different than waiting on purpose. We kind of talked about that um, last, uh, not last week, but the week before. We were looking at Habakkuk, right? So Habakkuk wanted to hear from God so bad. He, he positioned himself intentionally to hear from God. And, and it didn't say that he went to his place and kind of hung out and laid around on the couch. No, he said, I'm going to post myself on the ramparts. The ramparts are the walls that surrounded the city where you could look out on the land and you could see what's coming. He said, that's where I'm going to post myself. That's where I'm going to stand so that when God speaks, I can hear what he's saying. So are you waiting? Are you waiting on purpose? Or are you actively being equipped for God's call in your life, your mission? And maybe you don't know. Maybe you don't know what that mission is. That's okay. There's no shame. There's no shame. But what I want to um, just encourage you this evening, stay active, keep moving, try different things, you know, seek the Father, seek his, his will in your life. Get people involved around you that love you, that encourage you. Um, that's why this whole thing was so confusing to me is because um, 
Professor Lambright, I, like he's he's an incredible man of faith, and he is a, um, a, a a a mentor in my life. And so when he's saying these things, I'm like, is God using him to say these things? And him questioning my call caused me to go and rethink everything, and that just caused me to be all the more resolved at what God was calling me into. And so people, even if they're wrong or they're right, if they're speaking into your life, they're going to help. Either they're going to talk you out of your calling, which you should be, if you're going to let them do that, or they're going to talk to you and you're going to be challenged and you're going to come around on the other side so, so solidified in what God is calling you into that it's going to be unflinching. We see Paul. It's so cool. If you read Acts over and over and over and over, Paul goes into a city and he's ministering there, right? And he leaves the city and he says, okay, I'm going to just go over here, right? And he's going over here. And about halfway to that city, the Holy Spirit says, nope, you need to go over here, right? Can you imagine if Paul stayed in that city? Like somebody, when we think about like effective ministry and stuff like that, we might be like, hey, hold on right here. Like we haven't heard yet from the Holy Spirit, so we need to hang out right here and, uh, until the Holy Spirit speaks. And Paul's like, nah, I got to move, right? I mean, I got to be going somewhere. And it's in that going, it's in that moving, it's in that action that the Holy Spirit speaks to him and he hears it and then he knows where to go. So I want to encourage you this evening. Be like Paul, man. Just be going after something. Going after something. I know um, you guys are at school, and uh, you probably are like, yo, I'm not, la- I'm not being lazy at all. You have so much going on, and, and sometimes we can be chasing the wrong things, right? Like um, Saul in this story, he was distracted, right? He's thinking about David, and he probably made himself, in fact, if you read the story, he made himself so busy and so stressed and so sick over the fact that he was just buried in this comparison, this jealousy over David, that he probably felt like he was really, really busy, like like going after it, when in reality he was just distracted. Let's not be distracted. Um, next, comparison is the biggest enemy of your mission. Comparison is the biggest enemy to your mission. I've been there. So when I got out of high school, I didn't go right into college. I went right into work. I wanted to own a business, and I had this idea of success, and I saw story after story that said, you don't need to go to college to be successful and to have a business, and that's what I did. I went right into it. I was going after um, a, a career in financial services, and I did that, and um, I started to hear some of the stories of my friends that went to college, right? And they're living the college experience, and they're there. And I'm like, man, I kind of kind of wish I had gone that route. You know, you hear about that. And, and at the time, it was like, no for now, but not forever. But hearing these stories and, and seeing people go off and they come home, and it's like, I started to kind of question what I thought I was going after. Now, you guys know my story. That season of my life, I was not chasing after God at all. And I think that's why I got distracted so easily. 
But the next thing you know, it's like not good enough, right? And we begin to, to question our mission and we begin to doubt our mission. Maybe you're in school and you're seeing other students get these, um, these awesome internships or opportunities. How about this one? Maybe you enrolled in too many classes, you start and you're like, oh shoot, I got to back off and you drop a few classes. And now you're thinking, man, this is going to take me longer because somebody else, they have more time available and they could take a, a heavier class load. So they're getting their degree faster than you are. And the next thing you know is you're totally discouraged and you're like, I don't even know if I want to go after this anymore. I saw that over and over and over again. When, when we were at NBC in my undergrad, I saw these guys drop out because they were discouraged because life happened. And the next thing they know, they're taking one class a semester. Everybody else is taking three or four or five, and they're planning to get done within three to four years for their undergrad. And this one person's like, man, I'm probably going to be here for a decade before I'm finally done. Maybe it just seems, it feels like everybody around you is not having to jump through all the hurdles that you're jumping through. Comparison is the greatest enemy to your mission because it forces us to question what God has called us to. It forces us to get into this place of doubt. Am I on the right path? Am I on the right mission? Am I really cut out for this? Am I really the person for the job? Next, stay in your lane. Stay in your lane. I don't know if this is like a racing thing. You know, you guys who actually are athletes, um, you could probably correct me if I'm wrong. But um, I think it's probably smart to stay in your lane, right? If you're racing, if you're running a race, you probably don't want to be jumping in everybody else's lanes, okay? I mean, to me, that's just like logical, right? But here's the thing about a lane. A lane has two sides, right? You got a right side and a left side to your lane, and usually they're painted. You got a line here and you got a line here. And here's the thing about your mission. There is a duality to your mission. There are two parts to your mission. There is the universal mission, right? This is the thing that we're all called to do. This is the, the thing that we're all called to in this world, and that is to love God first and foremost, to chase after him with every fiber of our being, and number two, to love others, to love others. If you um, check out our, our podcast, you can go back to the very first uh, message that's ever put up there. Um, if, you're, if you look it up, it's on um, Spotify and all the different places, Apple Podcasts, but it's called um, Young Adults Messages. Um, but the first one, we talk about our capital P purpose, right? Our big purpose. What are we called to? All of us, without question, are called to point people to Jesus. And maybe your personal mission or your passion, your capital P, passion in your life, right? We have different passions, we have different purposes, but I'm talking about your capital P purpose and your capital P passion. And I think that is what you can't not do. Your passion is that thing that you can't not do. Think about it. Think about what is that thing that when you wake up, you're like, that's what I'm going to go do today because that's what I love. That's your passion. And they change. That's why... That's why we don't seek first our passion. Actually, we seek first our purpose, and our passion comes later. 
But what's your, what's your mission? What's your mission? I want to ask another question. This is more for, for us here. Are we accomplishing our mission at Young Adults? And I thought, you know, I haven't talked a lot about our, our mission and our purpose here at Young Adults. They say when, when you're in a new ministry, um, just a little background, um, I started here at Young Adults back in April. And they say when you start at a new ministry, you should give it a year before you, um, you know, start thinking about vision and stuff like that. And I've been praying and fasting about, you know, what does God want for this community? Where does he want to take this community? <clears throat> and... Um, I believe, and I, I read a book called The Defining Decade, and it's an awesome book. Check it out. Um, but it talks about how, like, the 20s, for most of you guys, are, like, it, are, are the years that will define the rest of your life. They did for me. They did for me. I struggled for most of my 20s, but it was when I was 27 and I met Christ. That moment, that moment. In October of 2011, changed the trajectory of the rest of my life. That was in my 20s. And I think for a lot of you guys, whether you're building a faith, a career, a family, whatever it is, or maybe all of the above, your time right now will set the trajectory of the rest of your life. That's important. This is like, this is a big deal. And it's what's so sad is that most churches, this group right here is a problem. I'm not kidding. You talk to pastors and they're like, well, we got to deal with young adults. I'm like, are you kidding me? This is like the reason the church exists is to help people get on the right trajectory. Right? And so if that's true, it's not going to happen when you're 60. It's not going to happen when you're 50. Most likely for most people, it's not going to happen in those ages. It's going to happen right here, right now. <coughs> Sorry, inside joke. Um, sorry. But I'm just going to read this um, verse. I, I feel like God has really placed it on my heart as a really good vision and a model for how this community operates, how he wants to build and knit this community together. And that's going to be in Acts 2, 42. I'm just going to read it to you really quickly. It says that they, now the, the Holy Spirit was just poured out on the brand new Christians and they spoke in tongues for the first time. Jesus ascended into heaven and they're like, and he said, I'm leaving you with the comforter and the Holy Spirit was poured out and the church was inaugurated. These guys didn't know anything, right? These are not, they didn't have the Bible to teach. They didn't have, you know, anything to go off of. They're literally just grassroots Christians meeting in houses. A lot of them met in Jewish synagogues even though they weren't welcome. And here's what it says. It says that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Four things. The apostles' teachings, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And I believe for us, this is a phenomenal model of just thinking through, okay, God, what is your vision for this, for, for crossroads young adults, for what you want to do in this community, for Parker. So we want 
absolutely, first and foremost, to teach the word unapologetically, if we're ever not, if I'm off base, if I'm teaching something that's heretical, man, tell me, you're not going to hurt my feelings. That is a passion for us. Everything that we do needs to be scripturally founded. And then we go out from there. Number two is community. This is something that has been huge on my heart for this community right here is, man, my, the thing that I can't not do, my passion, that thing that drives me, that keeps me up at night is seeing community grow. So I did a little bit of math. And in, in Parker, we have 54,352 total people just in Parker. This is from the Census Bureau, okay? Because we have, we have about 50 people showing up every week here at Young Adults, okay? Um, the total number of young adults in Parker, I had to do some, some funny math, but I figured it out. It's approximately 8,148 young adults, people between the ages of 18 and 30 in Parker alone, okay? And we have about 45 to 50 people that are showing up every single week. And here's what I'm trying to say is that we have a big job to do. Because the way that I see it right now is about 90% of the young adults in Parker alone don't have a community like ours to plug into. Or aren't plugging into one. Now I've heard things like, hey, young adults has never been as big as 100 people. Or young adults has never been that big. I don't care. Because there's 8,000 people out there that don't have a community like this. That don't have a place where they can go and be encouraged. Don't have a place where they can go and be the truth spoken over their lives and be challenged to grow in their faith. Come on. So to say we're never going to be at 100 people or we're never going to be at 500 people, man, that's like small thinking. What if we had a young adult community here in Parker that was just huge and thriving and it wasn't like big church where you go in and you just get lost, but it's so tight and it's so warm and you're invited when you walk in and it is absolutely the safest place on earth to talk about anything. No question is off the table. Breaking of bread. Um, eating. We do that a lot. <laughs> I, we do it like all the time, literally. Um, in fact, we'll probably go out tonight somewhere and go eat somewhere. And I love that about this community is we love to break bread. Um, just ask somebody about the horrific experience at Chili's. They'll tell you how much we love to break bread, right? It was a terrible experience. <laughs> I think we torture Parker because we love to break bread together. It's a part of our community. It's a part of our DNA. I love it. And lastly, pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. Here's what I want to do. We're going to do something a little bit different. Um, and I, I'm realizing as I'm saying this, I totally forgot to tell the tech team. Um, sorry. <laughs> Here's what we're going to do. We're going to combine two of these together. Community and prayer. You see, you got to walk before you can run, right? 
And I think, I think before we say, hey, let's, let's get all 8,000 young adults connected to a community here in Parker. I don't even care if it's Crossroads, but just some church where they're going and they feel loved and, and encouraged so that they don't have to go through um, the years of their 20s that are just devastating like I did. So here's what I'd love to do. I'd love for the tech team, if you guys could just play some music. Um, why don't you guys close your eyes really quick. I want you to think about what your life would be like right now if you didn't have a Christian community, a faith-based community to plug into. You didn't have young adults or maybe at school you didn't have crew, you didn't have navigators, whatever, to plug into, to be encouraged every single week. What would your life look like? How would things be different? And here's the truth. I love this community. We have 50 people showing up every week. We need, we need so desperately, Parker needs so desperately for us to make this community available because as you're thinking about what your life would look like without that Christian community, there are 8,000 people out there that that's their reality. That's where they're at every single day. No one going through the same stuff that they're going through, that they can talk to, that they can ask questions like, hey, um, how do I fill out a resume? Gosh, adulting is hard. So I just want to encourage you in this moment as we're as our eyes are closed, as we're paused, as we're leaning into the Father this evening, I just want to encourage you to think about someone that you know who doesn't have this kind of community to plug into. Maybe they don't know Jesus. I believe that this is the kind of community, the community that you can belong to before you believe. Like you can come here and you can hang out and you can you know, play volleyball. You can do a lot of cool stuff with us. We can go to, um, you know, the corn maze and stuff like that before you ever believe in Jesus. And maybe through that, that God gets a hold of your heart or your friend's heart. So who is that one person? Because, you know, if each of us here, we have probably about 50 people here. If each of us here think about that one person and, and we, we pray over that one person. Maybe God will open the door in the next year. We're thinking about 2022. Maybe God will open the door where that person can plug into a community like this. One person. If we all, if we all did that, if we all engaged with our, 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 our crew, our friends, if we asked God, and I'm not talking about being weird, but if we ask God to open the door for the relationship, for the opportunity to invite somebody to church, come on. He's going to do it because he wants them here just as bad as you do. He wants them to have encouragement. He wants them to have a, a, a community of believers. So as Tech plays the song, as Tech plays the song, what I'd like you to do when you feel um, ready, 
I'd love for you to uh, stand up and go to one of these trees. You can open your eyes. Um, I'd like for you to go to one of these trees on either side of the stage. We've put these ornaments on the tree. And we're going to leave here and we're going to go to a lot of different places. Some people are going to go back to school. Some people are going to go on trips for Thanksgiving. They're going to go all, all across the country. Um, but here's what we're going to do. I'd like for you to go grab an ornament. And on each side there's a table with some Sharpies. And you don't have to do this, but if, if God burdened your heart with somebody, if God burdened your heart with a person, I want you to write their name on that ornament and I want you to hang it on your tree. I want you to pray over that ornament this entire Christmas season as we are getting into 2022 and be thinking about what God's mission is on your life, on their life, on our community here in Parker as we go into 2022. So I'm going to pray for us and then uh, you guys can grab those ornaments, put the name on. Like I said, if, if you don't if God didn't burden your heart with somebody's name, that's fine. Don't put it on there. Uh, but just be praying for that person, right? That still represents somebody. Somebody that you're going to probably meet in 2022 that God's going to open the door where you can connect them to a community like this. And maybe in their 20s, their trajectory of their life has changed forever. And once you have your ornament, you guys can jump into groups of, you know, six or seven or eight and uh, jump into small groups. And we'll talk out this whole idea of our mission. Father, thank you so much for this community. God, I just think back to um, how my life would have been so different. I had a community of people surrounding me that loved me, that were willing to call me out on my junk, that were willing to pick me up when life knocked me down, that were willing to, to step in and say, hey, you're not walking this road by yourself, this journey by yourself. People willing to do life on life. God, you created us for this kind of community. So as we are, are thinking about 2022 and it is around the corner, uh, God, I just pray for each person here that we would begin to fast and we would begin to pray and seek your face for your mission for us in 2022 so that by the end of 2022, we can look back and say, God, I saw you the whole way. And I was on mission and I stayed on mission for the whole year, my eyes fixed on you alone. Abiding in Christ, you pursuing, uh, uh, per, sorry, um, you producing fruit in my life because I'm abiding in you, connected to the vine. I thank you for this community. I pray that we would just make a, an impact on it. We have a huge job to do. We need to be on mission as a community, as a body of Christ. Maybe that looks like talking to one person that I've been praying for for a long time and maybe finally getting real with them. Maybe that looks like God just um, praying that you would open the door where they would invite a conversation about their faith. All I know is that 
if 50 is big, then we're missing the picture. If 50 is as big as we're going to get, we're missing the picture. Because you love every single one of those individuals that doesn't have a community to plug into. I pray that you would just break our hearts for this community. Break our hearts for Parker. Break our hearts for our friends and our family, the people that are in our closest circle that we love. In Jesus' name, amen.